Well, this is a visit I've been looking forward to since our last visit with Jack Winter of the Ohio Press Network, which is a week ago today, because Jack joins us every Friday at noon. And boy, what a time to talk about Ohio politics with all the drama going on at the State House. So you can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor, W-I-N-D-S-O-R. And you can read the site, and you should subscribe to it. It's worth the money, theohiopressnetwork.com. I'm a paying member. So, Jack, we have apparently two different Republican parties in the state of Ohio, with Derek Maron leading one and Jason Stevens leading the other that has 22. That's what I gained from the fact that there was a caucus meeting this week of the 40-plus who voted for Maron as speaker and the 22 who voted for Stevens were not invited. Well, first of all, Bruce, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure and an honor to be here with you and the answer listeners and family. So uh, thank you. And yes, uh, what a week. Uh, what a couple of weeks. You are absolutely right. So um, Jason Stevens was sworn in as speaker. And I think that the folks who voted for him, uh, Democrats, I, I don't know what they were thinking, but um, and I'm speaking generally and uh, in opinion about the 22 who voted for Stevens, including himself. I think they thought, hey, you know, now that I'm at the top of the hill, everybody's just going to acclimate around me. We're going to fall in line. And uh, the Derek Marin folks said, ah, uh, 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 not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say on College Football Saturday. Um, Derek Marin called a meeting this week. And uh, actually, it wasn't just Derek Marin. I think Phil Plummer, who ran against him in caucus, uh, I believe that Scott Wiggum was part of that team. They they called a meeting. And my understanding is there were 40-plus people who showed up. And the goal of that caucus, my understanding is, is not to come against Jason Stevens. It's not to embarrass anyone or to you know throw gasoline on the fire, because, by the way, the Ohio Republican Party censured uh, the 22 who voted for Stevens. We'll talk about that in a bit, I'm sure. But my understanding is, according to insiders who were at that separate caucus meeting, is the goal is to move forward conservative legislation. That's why we were elected. That's what our electors are telling us that they want. So that group met and they talked about rules of engagement for the 135th General Assembly, how they're going to work with the Ohio Senate, what they're going to do about redistricting, how they're going to handle education choice. And the entire group of them actually walked down to the clerk's office and filed a bill, uh, House Joint Resolution 6, which would require a 60% approval to change the Ohio Constitution. Uh, so these folks are blessed around conservative principles, and uh, they're marching to the beat of their own drum right now. Jack Windsor, our guest. Follow him on Twitter, at Jack Windsor. Okay, so we thought we had a strong, super, super majority of Republicans in the House. It's obvious now to me nothing can get done without some Democratic support or some crossover Republican support. The Derek Maron faction crossing over and joining with the Jason Stevens faction. Or what I think is more likely is that uh, the Democrats, all of whom supported Stevens because they knew he would uh, obliterate the educational reforms that the conservative Republicans wanted to implement because their voters want them to implement it. So are we just going to have a do-nothing statehouse here, or how do you see this thing, how do you see this gap being bridged? Yeah, that's a great question, and I don't know. Uh, Insiders, lawmakers uh, on Capitol Square have told me Jason Stevens and his crew, we'll call him Team Stevens, the coup of 22, 
uh, that orchestrated the Speaker Steele 23 are telling everybody that Jason Stevens is conservative, and they're going, okay, well, then it'll come out in the wash. So we're going to have to look at what bills are put over the finish line. Now, I speculated last week that the Save Women's Sports Act, I think, is something that they're going to try to get over the finish line quickly, and then they're going to take a victory lap and go, hey, look at us. Mm -hmm. We passed a conservative piece of legislation. But what are the other big pieces, right? Redistricting, um, how are they going to handle that? How are they going to handle House Joint Resolution 6, uh, the backpack bill, and Ed Choice, abortion? Um, so there's a lot of scuttlebutt that uh, Team Stevens has agreed that they're not going to do anything on abortion for a couple of years. Um, and the other thing that uh, the promise that I'm hearing was made, now they would argue this, this is all speculation, I have to qualify that, is that they're going to allow the Democrats to be more involved in the budgeting process. Now, what will happen there is they'll cram a bunch of stuff into the budget, and the Republicans under Stevens' leadership are supposed to allow that to, to go through. So that's a, an easy way for people to get things into uh, the law books without having to you know, vote individually and have their names by a yay or nay vote on a particular issue. Jack Windsor with the theohiopressnetwork.com. Follow him on Twitter at Jack Windsor. All right, the one thing that's not going to happen is the backpack bill. That's dead. There's no way 32 Democrats vote to make Jason Stevens the speaker if he and the 22 Republicans who helped him become speaker are going to do what the teachers unions in Ohio are adamantly opposed to. Columbus City Schools, Cleveland City Schools, every big city city school is opposed to the backpack bill because their schools stink and they know parents want their kids in charter schools or private schools rather than Columbus City Schools and the like. So I find it highly suspicious, Jack, that Jason Stevens got 8500 bucks, and some people who I know that can really dig into the numbers tell me it was around $12,000 from the teachers' unions in the state of Ohio. I know they probably give to a lot of people, but they gave eighty grand to the Republicans who backed Stevens, and they gave like $20,000 to a few Republicans who voted for Marin. So that, to me, proves that Stevens is going to do exactly what the Democrats, which means the teachers' unions, tell him to do when it comes to education. Yeah, I think that's right. And we're going to dig more into those numbers because we're looking at not only uh, the unions that funded Stevens, but is their crossover are the same groups of people who funded Larry Householder, who, by the way, uh, jury selection for his trial will start, I think, January 20th. Um, so there's going to be a lot of talk about that in the months ahead. But um, I digress. So we're going to look at that. But yes, it seems to be um, an exponential um amount of support uh, exponentially higher for Stevens at all uh, versus Marin and other conservative Republicans. You raise a salient point. We're going to look into it, and I'll report back to you more uh, in the future what we discover. Okay, fantastic. Now let's get to the state Republican Party chair. We talked about it last week. There were two candidates. Alex, with the last name I can't pronounce, starts with T, got it. Uh, Is that a victory for the Stevens faction of the party or the Marin faction of the party? Uh, yes. <laughs> One <laughs> right. of the two. Right. Nobody right. knows, um, right? That's the thing. Yeah. So Alex Triantafilu, I think is how it's pronounced. So Triantafilu is um, Hamilton County uh, GOP um, chairman who was just elected to the uh, chair of the Ohio Republican Party. Jimmy Stewart dropped out of the race. What the Republican Party was going to do uh, was they were going to consider the resolution to censure the 22 who voted for Stevens and not for Marin. And when I talked to Trianta Filu before the meeting, I said, are you going to allow this to go? And he said, look, I don't like the um, 
the end of that resolution, the end would be they were going to withhold funding and, and um, uh, basically not endorse them in the future for, you know, ad infinitum. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, there might need to be a timeline on that, right? Like maybe two years or three years or four years. Uh, but at any rate, the resolution was on the floor. The resolution passed. It passed without teeth, though some people say. Um, they're not going to withhold funds right now, and they're not going to withhold endorsements right now. Um, but we'll see. Um, that was meeting one. We'll see how it progresses down the road. Yeah, we will. And final question, Jack. These county Republican parties now, some of them have stepped up to put real teeth into their censure of the 22 Republicans who sided with Jason Stevens as speaker. Is it over or is there any way to make it hurt so that actual conservative legislation actually gets enacted? Great question. So Shelby County Republican Party, uh, Monroe County uh, Republican Party, both uh, censured the 22 earlier in the week. And some of those um, censors did have teeth, no money, no endorsements. Um, I had a chance to talk with State Representative Scott Lips earlier in the week, and I said, so what gives here? That's two. There's 88 counties. He said, well, what you need to recognize is that not all of these counties um, have met yet. They, they don't have a meeting on the books or they have one on the books coming up. And he said, this is to be continued. I expect that there will be others. There are several other counties, uh, about 10 to 12, who are considering doing this in the next couple of weeks. I did receive a message from State Representative Bill Seitz from the Cincinnati area who did vote for Stevens. He claims that there are a couple of counties who are actually coming out and they're going to release statements that support the 22. So I don't know where this is going to go. I can tell you that the 45 that are standing with Marin are 40, somewhere 40 to 45. They, they're they telling me two things. One, they expect uh, companies like uh, Van Meter and Ashbrook and Batchco, who are the lobbying firms, are going to be trying to pick them off one at a time to get them on Team Stevens. But my understanding is that they are coalesced around some principles, um, and that and those principles are we want conservative legislation to pass out of the House into the Senate. And so I think that is the direction that things are going to go. I will tell you, Jason Stevens canceled sessions. Jason Stevens canceled the original date for um the Republican caucus retreat. They've since rescheduled it. But sources tell me that he has a golf trip scheduled for January 17th and 18th, I believe, in Florida, um, where uh, people who voted for him are going to go and they're going to hit the golf ball around and raise a bunch of money uh, in the event that they need uh, you know, money to help protect these people in primaries in 2024. Fantastic. It's just wonderful to know that Jason Stevens, in his first month on the job as speaker, has got a golf trip planned. I can't tell you how much that thrills me. Thanks, Jack. Great to talk to you. I appreciate your uh, reporting and the reporting of the Ohio Press Network staff. I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Bruce. Well, there you go. Feel better now? (laughs) Yeah, I don't either. Well, okay. This next segment is going to be very demonstrative of the horrific culture in which we live. Uh, If you have small children in the car, you might want to be aware toward the end of the segment that it could get a little uncomfortable for them to listen to. But first, I want to play some audio from our United States House of Representatives. I told you yesterday that House Democrats demonstrated clearly and loudly 
how demented they are in their refusal to vote along with Republicans on two measures. One, that would condemn a resolution that would condemn violence at pro-life centers around the country. There's been a proliferation of violence around the country since the Roe versus Wade overturn occurred in the summertime. Uh, Democrats, only two, voted to condemn the violence. That's bad enough. But worse was the fact that no Democrats, none, not one, would support a Republican bill that would require medical personnel to give life-saving care to an infant born as a result of a botched abortion. So they're trying to abort the child. Child is not aborted in the womb, not in the birth canal. Child is born. Child is breathing. Child's on a tray. And abortion providers, well, I guess I understand their demonic view of this. It would it would kind of look bad if an ambulance pulled up to a Planned Parenthood, medics rushed inside, and they came out with a baby. I imagine the clientele in the waiting room might their eyebrows might grow up at that. Probably not good for business. It would tend to destroy the narrative that that's not really a baby that you see. On the ultrasound, it's not really a baby that you feel kicking you. It's just a clump of cells. But the Democrats would not go along with it. Now, this is a very twisted position that you are, in fact, by not going along with this bill, advocating for infanticide. So you have to go to some very inventive links to justify your position. Uh, Here is Jerry Nadler, congressman from New York, making a... It's an argument. The problem with this bill is not that it makes anything, that it is not that it provides any new protections for infants. Huh? The problem with this bill is that it endangers some infants mm. by stating that that infant must immediately be brought to the hospital, mm. where, depending on the circumstances, that may be the right thing to do for the health and survival of that infant. Or it may not. That is the problem with this bill. It, it, it um, um, directs and, and mandates a certain medical care, which may not be appropriate, which may be in danger the life of an infant in certain circumstances. Now, stop me if I miss something. <clears throat> Here's a guy who endorses a position that all babies should be subjected to the chance of being aborted at any point in a pregnancy And he's against the bill because it endangers the infant. Which team are you on, Jerry? Team nonsense. (laughs) Team lunacy. He's afraid that if the baby's born and you rush it to a hospital, what, the baby would be better off uh, chilling in the uh, lounge? Instead of being attended to by medics, he's afraid the baby will be harmed by giving it life-saving care after surviving his and other bloodthirsty Democrats' attempts to murder it. Count me among the skeptical that Jerry Nadler has the best interest of the infant at heart. What changed, Jerry? Because Jerry's argument is... I think 
undoing his argument that that is a baby. I mean, I he, if he's worried about it as a person, then he's admitting that it is, in fact, a person. What makes it a person? The fact that it's crying now and twisting around on a table? I it's, Wow. Okay, but, uh, Jerry, Jews were, you were not the stupidest person in the House of Representatives yesterday, nor the most satanic. No, 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 no. That honor goes to Michigan Congresswoman Hillary Shulton. Hillary Shulton had a minute to talk, and oh boy, it was quite a minute. Part of parental and maternal rights and in opposition to H.R. 26. I'm the first mother in history to represent West Michigan in Congress. No one cares. This matter is deeply personal to me. Mm. I recently shared publicly about my own experience navigating a complex miscarriage and the loss of my daughter. As a pro-choice Christian who chose life, this issue is so personal to me. My faith informs my actions, but it doesn't dictate the policy of an entire nation. Mm. And further, when I read the scripture, I turn to passages and I'm guided by passages like Jeremiah 1 verses 5, which states, I knew you before I formed you and I placed you in your mother's womb. doesn't say the government's womb or the speaker's womb. Uh, No, it doesn't say the government's womb or the speaker's womb. It says that God knitted children together, that he knew them, designed them uniquely in the mother's womb. And so she is quoting the scripture that is, I would say, most often, or certainly right up there at the top of scriptures quoted most often, as a justification for the fact that life begins at conception. She is taking that scripture, Jeremiah 1, 5, before I knew you, I formed you in your mother, I placed you in your mother's womb. She is taking that scripture and twisting it to say, well, it says mother's womb. So uh, I guess her argument is since it's the mother's womb, the mother gets to kill it. If it had said the government's womb or the speaker's womb or pro-lifers' wombs, she, they couldn't kill it. Uh, this is so satanic. I say that uh, not to make headlines. Satan's oldest game is misquoting scripture. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? <laughs> 